Fanatsu is a podcast series that features discussions and interviews designed to help educate the Guam community, as well as the rest of the world, about the decolonization of the island and the possibilities should it become an independent nation. But it doesn't name the after it's the past. I feel like this is a pretty good place to start because we have some pretty organic conversations starting. So we're at the fourth coffee shop conversation.、Um, we have some pretty, some new faces, or not, not the usual. We have、uh, Ariel Lowe, of course, and Ed, Ed Leon Guerrero, and、uh, man, I forgot your name. Patrick Camacho is here, and we might have a few more. Faces. Oh, awesome! Cool. Well, pretty good showing then. So, yeah,、uh, we we just got. Well, actually, we're talking about Star Wars right now—the new uh, Rogue One uh, film. So,、uh, and th- obviously, there's a lot of comparisons to be drawn between、uh, the Rebellion in、uh, their galaxy and ours. So, <laughs> yeah, that's where we're at right now. Yes, I think it's um, it's in- it's interesting because oh, that's the blender right there. <laughs> That's always the danger. Ever since I used to have coffee shop、uh, Chamorro lessons here, is that if the blender got, got started, we had to stop and meditate until the blender was finished. So this is where you say "gina ani blender, zatorui makinanya, zatorui bidadanya guini gihilotano, hapripapara inata." Okay, maulik manazan. And so, I think I mean, if you want to, we can definitely talk about sort of. The way that cultural forms inspire resistance, and so whether it's something more traditional or whether it's something more popular and contemporary, there's intriguing ways of of, of thinking about that.、Um, there's also ways in which maybe it could it could cheapen a movement to sort of think like that. That's also something to definitely think about.、Um, It's just I don't know. It's just an interesting thing about how we see the world is that、um, if your if your cousin is fighting for independence, maybe you think he's an idiot, but if but if like Luke Skywalker is fighting f- against the Empire for freedom, then maybe you think he's really badass. <laughs> And so I don't know, but just to just to kind of bring、uh, some of my perspective in this conversation. Um, many many years ago, when I was first starting off as a grad student, I don't, I'm sure, and we were talking earlier about stuff that makes us cry. And so I remember when I watched the movie Whale Rider with my with two of my aunties, and sort of all three of us were crying. But of course, my aunties were crying way more than I was. But it was a very touching movie, and so on. And、um, I went on to read the book and to learn more about it, but. I was very struck, though, because when I talked to an、uh, older Nashon Chamorro activist, 
and I talked to him about Whale Rider, he was kind of like, oh, man, that's stupid. And he was like, it didn't, for him, he said it didn't interest him or inspire him. And part of it was, I think, just simply uh, his particular form of masculinity, that he didn't want to admit that a movie about sort of a, a young girl uh, standing up for her people or protecting her culture or whatever would, would affect him. But, um, but at the same time, it also reminded me of uh, when I had done interviews with Nashon Chamorro's, Nashon Chamorro members before, and then when I had read uh, articles about them before, a lot of times they had referred to American popular culture forms like Star Wars, or interestingly enough, the one that always stayed with me was Terminator. And so in uh, Roland Stade's book, Pacific Passages, he's got this section where he's talking to one of the founders, members of Nashon Chamorro, and the guy uses the, ter the first Terminator movie to explain what, they f what he feels the struggle is like. And so, of course, the Terminator, if you're not familiar with the Terminator movies, because there's been a bunch now, and most people that would download this were probably not alive when the first one came out. I'm not sure if I was alive. Arnold Schwarzenegger was much younger back then, and Donald Trump was much more openly misogynistic <laughs> at that point, and racist as well. But, um, but this Nashon Chamorro member basically said, you know, we are like the underground. Because when you watch that movie, the machines have all the power, and they control, the, they control all the land above, like the way that the United States and their allies control the media on the island, and they control a lot of the government. And so we have to work underground like they do. And then it, it, it extended further then where he's like, but we got to be careful because eventually what they're going to do is, because right, before you could tell who was on their side and who was on our side, but eventually they start to find people that look just like us, that are really on, that are really on their side but working, you know, working for them. And so I found that to be very interesting because it's kind of the... It's, um, it's the, it's the potential for those sorts of cultural forms is that you can use them to make connections to people, help them understand something which they would struggle with otherwise. Like imagine if you just went up to your, went up to your random cousin at sort of the Kusinan Sanhidzung and you were like, you know what? America is like taking over the island and it's this war against them. And they'd be like, nah, that's not true. I mean, I get to go to the commissary. There's no war. I get to go on base and I get to, you know, I get to laugh at all the people that got to go to Mobile and Shell. This is not a war. But, but then if you, if you take it into a cultural form, especially one that, they, what, that they're fond of, then they might actually be able to see it a little bit differently because that's the thing about stuff like Star Wars, Star Trek, Game of Thrones, anything that Netflix shows that people tell me I have to watch but I don't want to watch just because it's on Netflix and everyone tells me I have to watch it. It's just that those are spaces where people seek sanctuary and refuge from the real world. And so sometimes when you try to politicize it, they react badly, but other times it will make a stronger, it'll enhance their understanding of the world because it'll be like, wait, you mean like we're the Starks? Whoa, that's so cool. I want to be a Stark. I didn't want to be an independence person. But now that the new season is coming out, <laughs> does that mean people can come back from the dead? 
And so, but anyway, so that's just sort of some of my thoughts on uh, thinking about this and then why it's okay for me to talk about Star Wars and independence and stuff like that. <laughs> awesome. Um, that was very cool. Um, I don't think we, we've met. Uh, Hi, I'm Shannon. Shannon? Nice to meet you, Manny. Nice to meet you. And I'm nice to meet you guys. Oh, okay. <laughs> nice. Awesome, awesome. So, uh, yeah, um, the, the podcast is a relatively new thing, and um, usually we're, we're used to having big groups like this, but uh, if you guys, uh, we try to keep the conversation very organic, uh, so uh, please join in. Um, if you want, if you have something to say, just raise your hand and I'll pass the mic to you guys, and yeah, so... <laughs> Yeah. So, um, what 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 brings you to the uh, the coffee conversation today? Um, I've been wanting to be here for a while, and uh, yeah, I just I I've been um, you know following a lot of uh, Maget's you know articles, and uh, while we were away, we just moved home, so we just got back in November, and um, Elizabeth's as well. Been reading your stuff too. <laughs> calling everybody out but yeah um and uh we just wanted to find a way to be more involved and um i figured coming to these meetings would be the first step you know how do you get involved and not just make it kind of facebook socialist <laughs> you know um action you can only get so far with you know doing the research you know how to put that into action i guess so yes and the coffee's here is really good. <laughs> we like Java Junction coffee too. So yeah, that's why we're here. All right, Patrick. Oh yeah. Patrick. <clears throat> what brings you here? Okay. <laughs> um, when is an off day? Um, what brought me here to the meeting today is um, wanting to know more for myself about independence and how can I how I. How can I influence others and motivate others to see an independence perspective for Guam? You know, uh, like um, like you said about seeing it all on Facebook and social media, everyone could just click and like and mm -hmm. share. But getting involved is another another way I want to help and learn yeah. and educate others. Oh, yeah. oh, 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 oh I'll really? Again. <laughs> okay. No fair. You get a second take. Okay. Um, what is it all for day? Um, <laughs> yeah, just for quick reference, um, with these mics, you really have to you have to come up close so the audio the audio comes up clear. So yeah, no pressure. <laughs> well, hi, my name is Ariel Lo. I'm a Chamorro Studies graduate from University of Guam. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, I was a youth poet with Sinagunta Youth Movement for a couple years, and I think being part of that poetry community really just drew me into that academic discussion of, you know, what is Guam's political status, what is our relationship with the United States, and I've come a long way since then. It's been several years, and now I feel like, just to touch back to the Star Wars reference, we were <laughs> Rogue One, that we were talking about. I feel like I'm in a place kind of between, you know, being part of the, you know, part of the rebellion and wanting to have something better for Guam. And at this point in, in my college education, it's everything needs to be backed with, you know, sources. And it's a really heavy debate 
community and I'm kind of teetering also on that healthy skepticism I guess you know Jen Arso she started off as like a rebellion skeptic and not that a I feel like that's a little bit healthy just to keep that frame of mind of just always be that objective, critical, because when, criti- when we constructively criticize, that's how we make things better. And so I've kind of taken that inward and how can I be you know, more involved and how can I be more credible in, in my approach and my own thoughts to decolonization? And that's part of why I'm here is just to learn more and to listen more of what, what do I actually know about independence for Guam and what do I want to know and just that more self-reflection and uh, just to make sure do I really understand everything that I'm wanting to, to learn about and partake in because I really, and, you know, I'm really passionate about decolonization for Guam. I really do feel that independence would be the best thing for Guam and what I would want for, for my children and so to be on that even playing field in, in academia, you know, it takes that kind of self-skepticism of what do I, am I, am I really able to back up what, I, what I'm saying and what I believe in? And that's kind of why I'm here. Just <laughs> self-growth, man. <laughs> and of course, the ladies know uh, Ed Leon Guerrero based on his... Uh, very um <laughs> yes please <laughs> okay. do, do we all understand Chamorro? because mine's very bad okay okay i'm gonna include half english half Chamorro. okay boynis zan hafaday naanhu si edward gaigitsu guidi sa malagutsu ekonok Todu Hamsu, uh, Port Independence, Zan Lokwi, I am also a double agent. I was sent by the Department of Interior here to listen to everyone here and to report back the intelligence about this movement. But, you know, because of everyone's great smiles, good looks, and intelligence I've converted. So right now I'm a double agent. And what brings me here is that I want to listen to new ideas. Of course, for me personally, I'm skeptical of everything, including independence, including any type of political status change or anything to do with something grand as, as political status change. And I'm just here to listen to new ideas because I think it is important for all of us to be vulnerable to new ideas. To, you know, I'm not saying to not necessarily assume that independence is the first path, is what we should assume, but just to question some things. Why do we want independence for Guam? You know, and, and that's why I'm here to just listen and enjoy the time with each and every person here. Because every one of you is precious, is a good soul, and will eventually contribute to independence. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right. Um, my name is Jonathan Glazer. 
I'm I'm here to to learn to listen a lot, like what she said and like what 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 she said. Um, there's there's a lot there's a lot that I don't know and and I mean here's I'm sure it's the right place to be to equip myself with that knowledge. I mean, uh, it's um it's almost like a I don't I don't want to say it's a war. I mean I'm a, I'm a peaceful kind of person, but um it really is and and we need to like. We need to gather those those weapons, and how can how can you? They always say, well, "Well, you have a problem with something, then do something about it." Well, you can't do anything about it if you don't know. So, I'm here. I'm here to know. There's a lot of knowledge out there, and a lot of resources, and um, I just need to gather it up before I can really um, take a strike at it. Nice, cool. And of course, we met Ray Luhan on the two episodes ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, uh, for those of you who are not familiar, Ray is a uh, social work student at the University of Guam. So, yeah. And we have uh, Professor Kelly Bowman, right? <laughs> Did you want to say something on here? Because we haven't had you on the mics yet. But, um. Buenas. Well, I am just here to stand in solidarity with the independence movement and to support them in any way I can. And I'm really happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah. And Becca Garrison's here. And veteran, veteran <laughs> podcaster, and uh, a very special guest is uh, my sister Maria. She is a, a recent biology uh, student from the university. So, you want to say a little bit about what what drew you to decolonization besides my ranting and. Um, <laughs> uh, half a day, everyone. Uh, well, I was going to mention that pretty much anything my brother does, I just follow. <laughs> Um, but what really, uh, draws me to independence is, um, there's this quote I just saw, it's, accept the things you cannot change and change the things you cannot accept. And, uh, not getting emotional, <laughs> but, um, for me, when I think of independence, I think of our future, um, our posterity. <laughs> no. I told Maget earlier that uh, I'm going to create a series called uh, Manny Cruz Cries. And um, I think I'll extend that to you. Since, uh, Manny and Maria Cry. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what we're going to be known for? Um, yeah, but for independence, um, like I want, I want uh, our future generations to be be able to make the decisions that we were not able to. Like regarding, I'm an environmentalist, so regarding like our land, that's really important to me, and uh, just all the things that um, factor into our society. I want them to be able to make those decisions for themselves. Awesome, beautiful. So, um. Yeah, there there is a lot of ways in which uh, colonization has affected every one of us, um, and certainly uh, um, not all of us here at the table are native inhabitants uh, who are um, going to be eligible to vote. But uh, that doesn't mean that uh, you should be content in silence. Uh, you have a you have a role to play here. Um, if you love Guam, if you love its people, then there's always something for you to do and a way for you to contribute to. The movement, and that's something that we we touched on a little bit earlier. But if you guys, if Becca or Kelly, if you guys wanted to speak on that, I mean, for me, 
when I came here, you know, it just really struck me immediately that there wasn't the right to vote and there wasn't an equal citizenship. And I think I was raised to believe in democratic principles <laughs> as an American. And so discovering that America wasn't practicing that, <laughs> not only in, you know, its many conflicts and political maneuverings, but also in its own, you know, modern day colonies or territories, that this sort of thing was still going on, that it was excused, that, you know, it just didn't seem right to me. It just didn't sit right with me. And honestly, I think it wouldn't sit right with a lot of people if they knew about it. But the territories is something that most Americans, I think, are not really aware of. <laughs> or who knows? Maybe many Americans would be racist and think it was okay, but <clears throat> we don't know now. But I, I certainly don't think so. And I think... America great Right. I think in my life I've encountered certain forms of injustice that I've sometimes tried to deal with myself, right? Just as one individual working alone. But something I've learned is that together we're much stronger. If, <clears throat> if a movement can have unity and unite behind a common purpose, then it, it can really make a change. And I believe it can. There will be a lot of pushback and a lot of <laughs> negativity from a lot of people who support the status quo, but I really believe change is possible. So, yeah. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, I'm really excited to be here. Uh, you know, I think as a white settler uh, born in uh, the Uni what is now considered the United States, we're taught almost not to think about these things. We're taught by omission not to even consider these histories, right? But we also need to realize that we're all, we're all interconnected in these histories, right? And also to recognize our space as a white settler, to know that, that we're actually in this spot and that we are coming at it from a space of solidarity, not as a space of someone who is attempting to take over a cause or, a, or somebody to uh, lead, lead, but actually to be told what it is that we can do to participate and what is, what is our role in that, in that moment. So I know we all love Star Wars here. Uh, were, there any, were there any other references or um, any, anything you guys picked up from the recent uh, Rogue One film? that? Yeah, I think um, I'm not sure. Did did Underwood use the, that quote in um, the uh, the graduation speech? Um, Rebellions are built on hope. Is that what he? Yeah, that was so powerful. Yeah. Anyone? Does anyone want to say anything on that? Uh, no. Are you moving on, Moana? <laughs> okay. What are what are um what are some of the concerns that uh, that you or that you guys have? Um, with independence or decolonization, things that you're not sure about? Um, I, I guess that, that it is the kind of, you know, the, the, like what Ariel was talking about, like equipping myself with enough knowledge and like enough research. Because a lot of times I'll, I'll kind of like, you know, I'll, I'll get into a conversation with like a cousin of mine, you know, who lives in the States and like I'll, I'll kind of bring up these things and about native land and about all these different things and, and I'll only get so far and then I'll kind of just, you know, come up empty when she brings up, you know, oh, but you know, you know, the federal government does this and what about all the services you receive and all of these things and, and I, I always feel like, I'm like, damn, you know, like I, I, was, I was just there, you know, it was on the tip of my tongue. So I, a lot of it is, you know, not feeling equipped enough or just feeling powerless mm -hmm 
you know, on my own. And so that that idea of you do have more, you know, there is more power and unity and solidarity and just, um, yeah, I just, I wanted to reach out and kind of find, you know, where I can be to kind of just, you know, collect from this source. And, and I feel like being here today is just, you know, is answering a lot of those questions already that I've had. And, um, yeah. I mean, just really quick, what I appreciate about um, the coffee shop combos and even uh, the Independence Task Force in general is uh, it's it's so obvious to see just looking around this table that we all come from different uh, different backgrounds, different life experiences, but uh, we all have one common interest and one goal, and that's uh, to gain sovereignty for Chamorros, for Native inhabitants, and uh, to right the wrongs of uh, um, previous decades. So... Um, well, my research uh, in the English graduate program is uh, based on activism, uh, activism rhetoric, and um, uh, taking a critical lens to uh, to current events and things like that. So, I think in the '90s that um, there there was this whole stigma of uh, activists as being uh, um, lower lower socioeconomic uh, from the so- lower socioeconomic classes and. Uh, radicals and um, emotional um, and illogical and um, I think uh, post 2010 I think we're really uh, breaking that mold and I feel like decolonization is becoming a more acceptable uh, idea and a lot of people are recognizing the possibility Um, there's still a lot of work to be done to be sure Um, but just just recognizing the fact that we're, we're a colony and that we have been wronged and we're still being wronged is is a giant step. So, yeah. Um, uh, our Chetlu from off the street, <laughs> from off the talent. Um, what were what were some of the concerns that you had, man? Okay, so thinking about it, like off of like a dude off the street, Chetlu, Chetlu off the challenge, You know, um, there's so many things that one could say where um, you could put it as fears that a lot of people don't have, like a lot of people have, you know, like all that fear they have because they don't know what other sources are there, what other stuff that Guam could do being independent, decolonizing. So without knowing all the stuff Guam can do by decolonizing, they're filled, they're filled with this fear. Of, they're filled with all these fears of like no protection with the military. Like if the military leaves, <clears throat> um, any other country of a big military could just come in and take over and all that. But there's so much more like uh, with the federal A's, federal federal grants. A lot of people are gonna thinking of <clears throat> what, how can Guam help the other people that's on food stamps, that's on welfare, all that. When all that stuff gets taken away, you know, like these are just like a lot of a lot of topics. A lot of people will think about when about knowing or educating themselves or doing the research and. And to help educate others, mm-hmm. yeah, that's one of the reasons why it brings me here, so I can learn more and absorb more, so I can help people understand more about decolonization and independence. Yeah, cool. Just just to uh, to summarize um, your your inquiry, um, how can how can we seek independence, or how do we how do we respond to fears? Um, uh, by shifting away from federal assistance and uh, federal sustenance and things like that, and um, that, that's interesting because uh, there was a there was a Facebook comment I read now that was very critical of independence, and it was basically saying like uh, Guam as it exists now, like that's what people refer to. But 
we when we think of independence and decolonization, we can't we can't really we can't use the existing model because um, because there's so much potential. Uh, does anyone want to want to share their thoughts on that or? No. On, on yeah, or moving moving away from a federal um, uh, federal assistance. Okay, like um, also. Like some people might say, what what does Guam have to trade? What can Guam have to make income for Guam? Like keep money flowing for Guam, you know? Like people would think we could trade our coconuts. We stop buying coconut water from Taiwan, Thailand, you know what I mean? And we could produce our own coconut water to coconut oil, to coconut soap, and all that. But first, then other people think, oh, the rhino beetle, how could we preserve all these coconuts with the rhino beetle going at it? You know, so there's that, that stride of we could do it, but we're just shut down again because something else is going on in Guam that's that's messing up. Um. Well, that's pretty cool that you you brought in um, the the possibility for the coconut trade uh, to be sure because it's such a, a strong um, cultural symbol and uh, also a, um, a vital food, a stable food in uh, Pacific cultures. But um, when I think of uh, potential for um, for economic growth. Um, I don't know. I don't know. You guys can can feel free to disagree with me, but um, I I, I see Guam being like uh, a technology capital of the Pacific. Like uh, I've imagined Guam, like Haganya, maybe even uh, like like high rise high rise buildings, just to uh, to contain our our uh, our footprint on the island, and so building up Haganya upwards, and um, yeah, becoming a, a technology, uh, the the pinnacle of technology in the Pacific. So, you know, just to touch on that, you know, Guam being one of a like a technology leader, we're in such an ideal place for renewable energy. And that I think, you know, you're saying, right, Maria, you're an environmentalist, right? (laughs) Just imagine like what we could do, you know, if, if we, you know, Guam could be a really good leader for renewable energy in the in the Pacific. We're such an ideal place. We have all the wind. We have all the sun. You know, what we have, I've seen, you know, images of like those vertical uh, solar farms, you know, what, um, so in terms of what can we do in terms of technology, I think using more renewable resources is definitely, we're in the ideal place. And we have a lot of young people who are so passionate about being environmentally friendly and who are so intelligent. And I'm, I just I believe so much in in our youth and our people that you know have these skills and have these educational backgrounds and have that capability of investing in Guam's you know infrastructure and economic growth. I'm I just eco- uh, economics is not my field. You know I I cannot speak on any authority regarding economics, but. I feel like there's so many young people here who that is their thing. And I, I definitely believe that many people, many young people on Guam are capable of bringing those ideas to fruition. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, just to add on to that, like, um, if we, if Guam, independent Guam, or even just the Guam now, if we invest in, like, more sustainable energies, it'll add on to our self-sufficiency, you know. We won't have to depend on outside energy sources anymore. And the other thing you said about, you know, there's so many young people with diverse backgrounds, it's true. And it, like, it it just, it makes me happy to see that, um, 
like we are the people who are going to make up our our independent Guam and you know we're just adding so many skills to to it one of the things that that you mentioned and also um Patrick is uh um you feel like you need to know more in order to to fully express um your or to to justify decolonization independence and um I think one one of the things just from from listening to like uh, how you mentioned your conversation with your cousin from the states, like uh, Guam receives so much, like why would you want to move away from that? Um, I think the answer, if I if I was in that conversation, um, the answer, the response I would give was, uh, we could have so much more. Yeah, it's not nearly enough. It's not nearly enough. Yeah, <laughs> especially especially as we've seen from the the recent uh, rolling on the war reparations, right? So. Um, if we were an independent nation, uh, Guam could uh, negotiate equally with the United States as uh, yeah, rent. Yeah, there, there's so many there's so many opportunities for uh, for income for the island. A mozza, right? I just want to say that, you know, from Manny to Ariel, Patrick, and Shannon, y'all gave brilliant ideas, the best ideas. I love the coconut thing. I hate those rhino beetles, by the way. I wish I could kill them all. Very great ideas, and and Manny, you asked the the question was you know what what was your uh, the fear for independence? And while I'm not a creative thinker, I can't give out brilliant ideas like y'all did. I I could say that my biggest fear for independence is you know what direction do we take after we achieve independence? Do we want to keep the same democratic government? Do we want to go to the whole high-rise thing like you propose? Or do we want to go to a more, you know, environmental, like like do what Palau did, make that like a huge marine preserve around, you know, the island, but at the cost of, you know, less exploitation of the marine resources? Who's going to take power, you know, after independence? Is it going to go back to, again, democratic principles? Are we going to have elected officials? Are we going to have a megahaga, megahali? Like, it's, it's these questions that make me fear the most about independence. What is the end goal? What is the plan? Where are we to move? Are we going to get involved in the world economic system, keep up and, you know, adopt capitalism after independence? Or are we going to move to a more traditional oriented system where we each take care of our community and that to me is the my greatest fear because I'm afraid of like there might be power struggles after people are might you know there might be civil war who knows or maybe at the end we might end up like Jamaica and actually request back to our colonizer please take us back which is what Jamaica essentially did. They had more than 50% of their population, you know, asking 
to come back and let Great Britain recolonize them. So all these are my fears for at least independence, and I hope that y'all could help me address these fears to calm my mind, to make sure that there's no civil war after, to make that there's a foreign plan. Because, you know, like all independence movements, there are different factions. And then, you know, like we saw in post-colonial Africa, we saw lots of, you know, ethnic cleansing, lots of... I'm not saying that this is necessarily going to happen, of course, but it is a fear that we see from history. Okay. I, I just want to say really quickly that if you ran for um, prime minister or president or whatever you have in an independent Guam, I would go to each one of your, I would go to each one of your rallies if you spoke like that. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. No, but, um, yeah, well, what's really cool is... Um, Last week on uh, New Year's Eve, I met with, uh, uh, on Facebook, he goes by Matsalik Sindalu, and he's, uh, he's an outspoken um, an anarchist. What, re- what he really struck home for me was um, um, the need to, like creative thinkers, uh, like, anar- like many anarchists, who can help us uh, imagine independence and decolonization uh, outside of the existing forms of government that, that we know today. A couple nights ago, you were talking about how at FESPAC, Guam was the only uh, uh, delegation that did not have a cultural uh, system of government. You want to you want to speak on that really quick? Or? Oh man, I was I was going to speak to Edward first. Oh okay, but, yeah, please, but please my, do. My voice is not as nice as Edward's. So. <laughs> Edward is he, you soothe my soul, Edward. <laughs> When you're, whenever you haven't been here for several weeks, and every time we sit down and record, we always say, remember when Edward was here? <laughs> Wasn't that nice? <laughs> you can edit this part out, by the way. <laughs> but um, what you're describing there is a, is a very real, a very normal fear. But one thing that I do have to caution you about is if you noticed in the examples that you gave... Um, the examples were very uh, racialized, very colonial. You gave examples of post-colonial states and predominantly non-white states, when in truth, if you are looking at sort of divisions, I mean, you look at the United States right now, and you look even after the United States achieved independence, there was a lot of division there. And so one of the problems with decolonization is that we part of it is ha- having to deal with the fact that we have been told for so long that we can't take care of ourselves that we need somebody else to do it for us that if we as as Dave Davis used to say our favorite person in the room Dave Davis as he used to say Guam chamorros are like a dog that's chasing a car if you got the car you wouldn't know what to do with it when you got it and so we have to get rid of that mentality even if there are there's rational, concrete concerns connected to it because it's kind of like that's a normal part of life. Everyone deals with that. You have, we have division right now. I mean, you look at the Democrats and the, you look at the Democrats fighting amongst themselves. You look at the governor fighting with his own party. Like, there's always divisions. The, perp, the point, though, is not to kind of say, look, there's divisions. Let's not do anything. Like, oh, there's going to be divisions. Let's not do anything. You know, that, that doesn't make sense because there's always the possibility for that. What, what matters then is sort of what are we focused on? What is, the, what is the cause moving ahead? Will it include as many people as possible? And what is sort of the vision for the future? And there will be, and speaking to kind of what I, what I was hearing earlier, 
I think one big thing that we have to consider is that the way that we have come to understand the future, and even just your average person who didn't go to the Chicago School of Economics or the London School of Economics, it's interesting how your random sort of pari will talk like he owns a hedge fund, like he imagines that we all got to be billionaires on this island to be happy, that we all got to, like, we, we got to have something that everybody in the universe wants to buy or else we shouldn't try anything. It's so random. I always am surprised when some person comes up and is like, but we don't make anything people want to buy. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Who cares about that? <laughs> the per- and you, we have to remind ourselves that we have, we have adopted a mindset of looking at the future, which is built, which is very capitalist in nature, which is built on always growing prosperity, that everything always has to be richer in the future. Everything always has to be faster in the future. And we miss the point that the purpose of life is not to get bigger. The purpose of life is to sustain. And so you sustain in many different ways. But humans have kind of taken on this idea that, well, if I just use a little bit more than I need to, really, I could get a lot more in the future without looking at what the cost is long term. And so we are fortunate in a way because... A lot of other post-colonial nations bought into that theory that our purpose here is to make lots of money, just like the way the colonizers and the imperialists did in the past. But we're seeing that that doesn't work out very well for you. You sell off all your natural resources. You open up your economy. You kind of end up exporting all your labor force. You, you put yourself in this position where you're trying to make money, and then you kind of mortgage your future. You mortgage your present. You mortgage your future. And so we have to think then and look to the examples that people were giving. Pacific Islanders are leading the way. Pacific Island nations are leading the way in terms of not thinking the the future is about cash, money. The future is about sustainability. I mean, we we brought up Palau, and um, I'm here on behalf of uh, Narada and Blilio. (laughs) That's my mom's side. So, um, I mean, I went to Palau a lot when I was little, and... um, and then there was kind of a lull where we hadn't gone back for a long time just because of life here. And we went back for a funeral. And um, I was able to go as like a post-grad and like, you know, kind of see my island with a different lens than I had, you know, growing up as just, you know, a Palauan daughter, you know, just always knowing that, okay, these people are in charge. But, um, but yeah, it was something that, that kind of informed my you know, search for independence for Guam and kind of like my desire for that just because there was this attitude that it isn't about having the most hotels and having the most tourists. In fact, one of my friends came back and was complaining and was saying like, you know, they charge you this much to go to the Rock Islands now. You know, you have to pay all of these um, fees now to dive. I mean, it's incredibly expensive. It used to be, you know, you could just go charter a boat for free and someone would take you. And I was like, well, good, because, you know, there's they don't want all of you in their water. They don't want all of you diving around and touching all their jellyfish and doing that. There's a reason why they're charging you all that. So I'm sorry if it ruined your vacation. But, but you know, there's um, and there's that old system of wool where it's just you don't take more than you can. And you just you don't you let you let the island stay and you let it sit and you let the fish grow back and you wait. And, you know, it's not about how much fish you want to sell and it's not about you know, how much money you want to make for your clan because it's not all about you. And so this idea that, like, that money and making money and and being, you know, economically prosperous, more prosperous than other nations is not the end all. That that was was a huge, 
like wake up for me, you know, here in Guam and just seeing that there are so many people who do, you know, have those same, we, we have those same values as Pacific Islanders. It's just, you know, there are people telling us that we don't. And, and um, you know, that idea of, of you know, we could be uh, environmentally conscious we could, with our tourism. We could be, you know, we, if we weren't, um, you know, totally reliant on just the federal government. You know, I, in Palau I saw, you know, water catchment systems that were donated from Taiwan. You know, solar power in the villages, you know, little tiny tin houses powered by solar energy. And I was thinking, like, well, why don't we have that in Agate? You know, like, where's our access to that? You know, is it really that expensive? And it is to ship all these things, you know, from these U.S. licensed boats and things like that. And just the comp complications that come with being a territory and just all these things that we don't have access to, that this little island that, you know, we might not have the fastest Wi-Fi in Palau, but, but we have solar energy and, you know, you know, water catchment systems. So just the frustration of being like, you know, they, they, they have so much in that, you know, they're, they're, there's that idea that you could be rich in your culture and you could be rich in your, in your sustainability and not necessarily just these capitalist ideas. So, yeah. I like that. So for all of you listening and for all of you here, when, when, because people, if you talk to them about independence or decolonization, they'll usually say like they want something better than what it is now, but they're thinking more. Are you going to give me more? And that's one reason why people like statehood, because they think that if we become a state, we'll get more Section 8, more welfare, more food stamps, more FAF, more uh, Pell Grants. But then you got to kind of remind them. No, we are offering something better, but it's not more, it's sustainability. It's sort of, it's the chance where we can look at what we want for the future. And if, if the majority of us basically say we want to gamble our, our island and our resources away, well, maybe we can do that. But hopefully, the sort of that Pacific Islander connection to the land, the rising waters, it should make us all think, no, actually, we should take this step so we can start to actually plan for what's better for us. What's sustainable? I teach at a, at a Christian school, and um, uh, we were going, out, we were reading reading a verse in the Bible, and it was, it was uh, the verse said something like, uh, "He has plans to prosper to prosper you, not to harm you." And they asked me, "What what does prosper mean?" And like, you, you have to stop and think about that. Like, how do you explain this word to somebody who's never heard it before? And like, what does it mean to prosper? And I guess the best answer I could come up with is like. I guess it means to be healthy and wealthy, but what kind of wealthy? Like, is that does that mean having more money or having more stuff? So, I guess it, it really depends who you ask and um, what values you hold. And uh, as, us as a Chamorro people, I think um, we do have a, a pretty uh, healthy mix of uh, modern Western uh, values as well as our old traditional values. You, you see that a lot in the. In a lot of our uh, social gatherings, um, how how it all kind of blends together, but um, I I do think that it's it's pretty it's been made pretty apparent that um, a lot of the a lot of the traditional values do like hold more weight than than um, what are whatever else we adopted from from our our Western um, visitors, yeah. <laughs> They're still visiting, yeah. They <laughs> uh, 
Hi, my name is Stacia Oshida. I go to the University of Guam. I'm majoring in social work, and I'm a senior. And I've just been following with the Independence Task Force, and I think it's really awesome. Oh, closer? Oh, do I have to repeat? Do I repeat the whole thing? Okay. Okay. Okay, guys, I'm going to spit some. Okay. <laughs> so. so you're a social work student. Um, what are... What are some of the focal points of your, your studies and your research? Uh, and what draws you to independence specifically? Hmm. Well, I think like when I'm listening to the conversation, like what comes to mind also is um, when we're learning about society, so like a lot of the individualistic versus collective collectivist society. Um, also, we had a social welfare and... Is it called social welfare in Micronesia? Just learning about how, like back then, you know, how they ran their um, communities versus now. And what I also think of is like how we can implement, you know, change on the different levels. Like, okay, in social work, we learn about the the micro level, the meso level, and the macro level. So the micro would be like individuals, and then the meso, the middle, would be like communities and groups, and the macro would be like institutional and like more on the nation kind of level so like we learn like how to like okay you know for example if we want to implement change on um, a micro level what we could do is you know we could um, educate people on a more um, one-to-one basis um, a more like a personal level rather than because sometimes you know when you're trying to educate on a micro level you know sometimes some people you know you might hit or miss kind of thing And then on a a meso level, middle level, you know, communities, you know, like kind of what we're doing right now, you know, groups, you know, we're trying to implement change and discussion and awareness on, you know, a group kind of level. And then on a macro level, it could be like what, you know, some of the things we're doing, for example, how we had like um, public hearing, you know, for the policies to to have that funding um, allotted, not like on a time, a time capsule to ensure that, you know, this is not going to be taken away just because we haven't finished using it, that kind of stuff. So, you know, just social work, you know, there's just different um, different areas that you look into and how you can implement and say, so, okay, you know, you see this kind of problem environmentally or socially or um, psychologically, you know, and then say, okay, how can we apply this kind of um, model or practice? And there's just different stuff, but it's very interesting, you know, to hear everyone's like perspectives and you know because they all come together you know we all use our strengths okay there's like you know strengths based perspective those different kind of perspectives and how do you utilize that in this kind of situation one of the questions people have is uh like i want to know i want to know what you guys are planning to do like uh do you guys have a, a constitution do you guys have you know like uh they're they're thinking beyond, uh, or they're they're thinking about different sectors of uh, society, and uh, one of the things that uh, the task force has tried to stress is that it's not up to us. Like this is for the education leg of the campaign, but uh, when it when it boils down to it, um, independence is about um, involving the entire community. So economists, environmentalists, um, sociologists, psychologists, um, and social work specialists. So yeah, it's really cool that. And artists, especially. Very important. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, Edward, I, I want to just comment on what you were saying. And I think it's, I think you speak up for a lot of people, you know, and I think you speak up for a lot of people who are scared to speak up. And I think if anything, I think the, and then going back to the discussion as far as 
as far as you're concerned for like your own biggest fear um i think that's that's a collective unit just in terms of i think guam has not has not been able to express itself you know and has not been able to like stand up on on its own and when it has it's been silenced it's been shut out it's been dismissed and so i think for a lot of our history you know as a colony from various different administering powers i think for us it's also the fact that we tend to sometimes see our identity as unknowingly being codependent you know and feeling the need to attach or connect ourselves to something of quote unquote greater value or something of of something more or something of more prosperity and i think if anything i mean guahan means we have you know and i think if we just start to look within ourselves and realize that we need to start listening within you know i'm not necessarily taking orders or being volunteered what to do or or what to say and how to say it but i think just start to decolonize our own mindsets you know and really understand the the true value of of being independent you know and being able to speak up and being able to be free and not with any kind of a fear or a repercussion that your voice is going to be actually listened to you know and so i think um i think the fact that you speak up on that i mean i've also heard a lot a lot of those kinds of comments and questions you know and i think that they're very valid and i think it shows that um just how detrimental colonization has been for our people you know and the fact that even to speak up and even to talk about something you know as as a status or something as you know a government um what does that look like in the future you know i think for us it's it's unfortunate we we i think sometimes maybe have lost a little bit of that confidence you know and our people have been here way before you know the colonizers came you know and i think if we see just how strong we are in our in our values um and how strong, strong we are despite the different waves of colonialism that have hit you know our people on our island um we're still standing you know our laddies are still here and so i think for us it's being able to break that mentality of not so much of answering the question of a status but more so about who are we you know and and what do we want you know and so i think if we start to shift our mentality away from a political status and more so about decolonizing our minds and decolonizing our lives um i think we can then better get a understanding as far as wow this is really about what i want this is really about what i need you know and, and what i believe in and to actually be able to speak up you know that maybe i want this kind of government or this one and and our people are actually going to start to listen to each other and i think um i think if we're able to discuss that and i think the fact that you're able to share that and and be honest about it um i think that's amazing because many times i think our people have been have gone to different um different people you know outside of guam and we've tried to express that like this is what we want and this is what we are scared of or this is what we hope for but yet we're we're always told you know that this is this is not as good as what they want you know and so um i'm really appreciative of the fact that you brought that up because i think it's i think it just really shows this the detrimental effect um and the perpetual effect of the colonization uh just to add on to that um that's one of like the saddest parts um when i talk to my friends about independence is they always say like but we can't we can't do it and it makes me sad just to think that um that they think that way that our youth are not capable of providing these skills uh for the island and um 
And I also had a question for um, Maget. Would it be beneficial? <laughs> Am I interrupting no, you again? No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> your words are so cool. <laughs> uh, would it be would it be beneficial um, to present the public with government options? Maybe, um, you know, instead of just saying that it's up to you guys, you know, it's up to you. Would it be beneficial to go in with maybe um, a couple uh, plans? Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, it's uh, so at the stage that we're at right now. Um, the Independence Task Force has money from the government of Guam and the Department of Interior. The problem, though, is that it's just really difficult to spend. It takes forever and ever and ever to get any of that money. So, for example, it is now month eleven on getting the the task force a laptop. We submitted it eleven months ago. We're still waiting for a laptop. Um, we've rec we've been requesting stickers, illustrators, graphic artists, um, muralists, paint supplies. Some of those things are waiting six or seven months now for them. And so, part of a part of what we're doing right now is we're waiting for hopefully the government and the legislature to make it easier for us to use those funds. Because what we would like to do is sort of uh, use some of that to have uh, experts. Uh, produce uh, studies about different possibilities, especially economic possibilities. Because um, just so, um, because we have to, you know, it's, it's very, very interesting because the task force, for example, was talking about how it would be good to possibly legalize marijuana, <laughs> like full, full legalization. And then just a little while later, now the governor, who used to be very much against marijuana in medicinal forms and all forms, now he is he is suddenly he's he's waiting for his award high, from high times he's really he's really excited about the possibilities now for it and this is this is one of the issues though is that as more and more people become aware of the possibilities under independence then there'll be a lot of different people who will be trying to kind of put their what they want out there and those who have more resources may be more interested of course in in affecting the conversation in a particular direction. And so, um, so we, we're waiting so we can get those studies out there because cause I, I can talk to you about different things and other task force members can talk to you about the possibilities. Um, but it would be good to have some, just some fancy-looking study or some, some statistics behind it to, to say, well, you know how it is. It's kind of like if, if, if a guy with long hair who dresses like a homeless person <laughs> comes and says, you know what we can do? We can do this. <laughs> You would you would wonder if he got lost on his home from, way home from the Vietnam War or something like that. You wouldn't trust him with the future of your island. Whereas if somebody who dresses nicely in a suit, and maybe I don't want to wear a suit. Suits are suits are for funerals. <laughs> and so, um, but the other issue, though, and one thing that we have been talking about in the task force is at least putting together like a declaration of like the rights of indigenous people locally just to kind of which would possibly <laughs> or just to talk about the possibilities for what a constitution could look like but we are very uh, just sensitive though about how that we don't necessarily want to impose our will on 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 it because we we could do that but 
you don't necessarily want to do that. And I think part of the effectiveness thus far has been the openness of the conversation. So if somebody comes and, and says, um, well, you know what, if, if, if we're independent, then we could have more U.S. military. Personally, to me, I, I don't like that. But if that person wants to talk in that way, I can say it's, it's true, actually. If we were independent, we could negotiate for more. I mean, we would have to think about the impact and whether that's what we would really want looking into the future because it's different if we are negotiating it and we, as opposed to now where we have to take whatever they give us. But that's one of the reasons why it's effective is that people um, earlier... So a lot of the older activists who would talk about independence, they would oftentimes tell people what it's going to be like. They would say, this is what it's going to be like. And people then instinctively resist. You know, it's like if you're, if I talk to like my, if I tell my kids that they, they, they have to hate Santa Claus and he doesn't exist, then they're like, I love Santa Claus so much. I love Santa Claus so much. And if I show them, well, according to this scholar, Santa Claus doesn't exist and he's based on Odin and he's based on Zeus and all of these other figures, then my kids are like, we love Santa Claus like he's the realest thing in the world. And unfortunately, if you've talked to your cousins or your aunts or your uncles or your friends, they're often like that. The moment that you say, this is the way it should be, the majority of people are like, well, because you have said that and because you are a serious person and I'm not a serious person, I'm going to use my ability to disagree with you to pretend that I'm a serious person. We all, we've all have had those conversations with, with people who, who don't know what they're talking about, but they just resist because all I can do is resist you. If I give in to you, then I lose my autonomy. And so that's why um, in coming this year, there's going to be more sort of details about that because we would definitely like to do a study on the possibilities for basing what we would get from the U.S. military based on what other countries get and then possibilities for legalization of marijuana, reshaping the tourism industry on ecotourism, um, even there's been some studies on deep sea mining in the Marianas Trench, um, and this and just sort of what it would be like too if if we sort of took some of the steps that other islands have taken, where we stop the importation of certain plastics, or we sort of restructure our economy around renewable energy. As some of you have said, it's like imagine if water catchment system, that's what we talked about last month at our General Assembly meeting, those sorts of simple things somebody, those sorts of simple things could change a lot because we, we don't think about how the way that our island lives right now to use a very non-local metaphor, it's like we're walking on a tightrope and we're trying to and we're trying to sort of balance all of these things that you can purchase at your mom and pop store with a quest card and keep from falling it's, it's not sustainable. It's incredibly not sustainable the way the, the island is set up right now. And when people resist what we're talking about, part of it is because they know that it's not sustainable. Because when you look around the island and you look at how we import just about everything, part of you, even, that's thousands of years old, part of you, whatever is in you that was here when the islands were first settled, screams at you, that's a terrible way to live. Haven't you learned anything from being in the Pacific? Why would you, 
you live in these beautiful islands and nature gives you so many things to sustain yourself and you want to import everything? That's so stupid. It's like the Moana Maui voice deep inside you or something like that. And so, but anyways. <laughs> yeah, to add on to that, yeah, um, hopefully that grant does um, happen, you know what I mean, and the Independence Task Force Committee gets all the money, and you know what I mean, like um, to hire people, like educated enough to train and educate other people and keeping the system here in Guam is in one good way to decolonize and be independent, you know what I mean? Like, if everyone in Guam graduated university here, like, went to school here and pushed further here on Guam, like, not needing to go to the States to get a master's or a higher education, if they could do it here in Guam still, you know, they could give back more. They don't need to buy a $1,500 plane ticket to go somewhere where they're not comfortable, you know, to save a few friends and struggle, you know, they could do it all still here in Guam and they could give back more to the people on Guam, you know, they could educate more people on Guam too as well, like with the little seminars of um, what the Independence Task Force can do, you know, um, to help decolonize and help educate people. Um, also goes with, what else, what else? Um, what does he say? Um, to help self-sustain, where <clears throat> the water catchment, you know, it's another good one. Um, farm to table is another, you know, if everyone learns how to farm, like, there's like safe seven basic vegetables we could grow from a window, you know, in hydroway, you know. If we could grow that, you know, sweet, sweet tomatoes, green peppers, you know, like little self-sustainable stuff. If everyone just opens a book and learns, you know, how to grow little stuff to help sustain. It's another movement to help decolonize and help be an independent person as well. You know? Yeah, you know, um, speaking from the positionality of a, a settler who's only been to Guam, you know, less than a year, um, if I could talk about the possibilities of, you know, decolonization and independence and speak directly to the other settlers who could possibly be listening uh, to this conversation now, whether white or not, just recommend just going out and getting educated, going to the Independence Task Force or the Independence Guahan general meetings every Thursday at the Chamorro Village, coming to these conversations and listening to what's really happening out here is, is, is their, its own organic production of counter-narratives, which are absolutely essential in the way we begin to think about decolonization as well, you know. And it was very, uh, very poignant the ways in which uh, Melvin Wampat Borja and Monica Flores discussed this in a couple podcasts back, you know, the importance of counter narrative. And also thinking about what Flores said in, uh, in relation to we're all colonized. We're all colonized by this literary dependency. It's not just uh, indigenous folks. It's settlers as well, thinking about how these histories have been presented to us and the ways in which we, we continue them without questioning, right? So as far as thinking about, you know, um, settlers getting involved in supporting independence movement is really just showing up to these spaces and listening and learning and then taking what you guys are talking about and moving them back into other spaces of, you know, settler socialities or other settler communities, right, and moving these conversations beyond just the coffee shop or beyond just the University of Guam as well. Sumahi, did you want to say anything? You good? All right, all right. <laughs> 
Yeah, just to add on to what uh, Becca was saying, um, I think there's a lot of ways in which we can uh, contribute to the decolonizing efforts in Guam. And uh, one of those, and this is like one of the best lessons I had ever like heard and I try to apply as much as I can, but all behavior is understandable in context. So we don't need to agree with that behavior, but in order to understand it, look at the context. And the context in Guam is one that has seen colonization and militarization for centuries. So with, when engaging with people who are not too familiar with uh, colonization, uh, decolonization efforts and, uh, and especially uh, <clears throat> are kind of uh, at the front opposing independence, it's important to understand their context. Yeah. And there's a lot of ways you can engage with them, but it's important to kind of know who your audience is and present it in a way that is understandable to them. You know, like, don't be talking like the way the flux capacitor meets the ion <laughs> positive, you know, like whatever. It's like, it's not going to connect with them. So try to, f- yeah. <laughs> so try to like make it, make it so that they understand it, understand why they don't understand it. And then kind of don't go about it in an aggressive way, which I think is so easy to do because there's been a lot of injustices in the history of Guam, you know, and I think I had my angry phase, but Right now, it's, I'm really coming from a place of uh, love and faith and optimism. And I think that um, that's, those are definitely the tools you need to engage with um, people who are not too familiar. And, yeah, there's a lot of ways you can help, and like with sharing posts on social media, with attending these kind of coffee shop convos, downloading and listening to the Fanatsu podcast, um, attending the General Assembly meetings. You know, there's a lot of resources out there. You just need to prioritize this you know it's so easy to put it off and i'll go to the next one i go to the next one but it really is about prioritization and um this is definitely something that needs that and another just the last one i'll wrap it up but um i think one other thing you could do is kind of um appreciate and respect the people that have laid the foundation for us you know like maget does a lot you know and uh dr kb actually really helped me like when i was um kind of developing my critical and analytical mind of Guam and uh, our political status. I took her woman and genders class. And I took a woman and genders before, and I was like, you know, I'm a feminist, whatever, yeah. And I didn't connect with it until I took your class, and you kind of localized it. You know, we talked a lot about, like, Hawaiian nationalism and um, things like that. And kind of my person for that I really credit a lot to helping shape and nurture and develop my critical mind is Dr. Lisa Nintividad and the Independence Task Force. And, you know, so like, and those of you who are students, you know, and who have the liberty to write about whatever you choose, choose something local, you know, something that you could contribute to the research and findings of Guam instead of something like half the world away, which is important too, but I think this is of like paramount importance. So um, definitely a lot, a lot of ways you can contribute to decolonization efforts and it's so big and scary but you can contribute and it just really starts with just engaging positively if you don't know don't make something up just say i don't know but i can check you know like here i'll connect you to whatever i'll connect you with uh, melvin who could set up a meeting for your family you know there's a lot of resources out there so use those resources and appreciate acknowledge and thank the people who laid the foundation for us and so sejus masi re para todo ano isenganmo and so I did want to highlight one thing that he mentioned, and that is the Fanny Nodzen meetings, in which uh, Ray actually took some students in the social work program, and they organized the first one. And then we'd have a, we've had a couple more since then. And 
Fanny Nodzen uses two parts of the Chamorro language, ina, which of course means to shine a light on something or to illuminate something. So Maina is the most illuminated village on the island because it means enlightened, illuminated, Maina. And so that's why, I guess, is that why people from Maina are, are stuck up or intelligent or... <laughs> I'm just, I'm just teasing. But, and then fan an, so fanny nods and the circumfix around it means it's the time or the place where that takes place. So fanny nods and means like a place of enlightenment. And so these are meetings that, so we have meetings like this in the community, but if you want to bring the conversation into your own home or into your own circle or into your own workplace, and you you don't know how to do it yourself, well, then all you have to do is just organize your friends or family, your enemies, whoever you want, and then somebody from the task force, me, it's like, I don't know how, if you want to think of us like Pokemon or gladiators, saints, pick, pick which saint or Pokemon you want. You say, I don't know, I don't particularly like this side of my family. I, I think I'm going to go with a Ninetales. <laughs> or I think I'm going to go with... But um, so you can pick us and we will come and we will talk to your family because I know it can be difficult to engage in these conversations with people that you know really well because in some ways they may not respect you in that way or see you as being somebody who bears truth in that way. And so, but, but yeah, so it's a great opportunity. So I encourage everyone here and then everyone listening, um, if you have like five people, if you have five people that you always fight with about this, Tell them you're going to throw a party for them. And then I will get into a cake or something. Or I will be wrapped up in a large box. And then I will, like, jump out at the end and I will say, let's talk about decolonization. <laughs> huh? Uh, no, that's it. No, no, that's phase two. The loincloth is phase two of the process. We're not to the loincloth stage. <laughs> Uh, you know, Senor Miguel, I'm. Oh, I hit the mic. I'm glad you brought up the the discussion of family members, right, who don't share the same political views and whatnot. Personally, I find it most difficult, most like emotionally challenge, challenging, is um, talking like with my grandparents, like my grandparents' generation. And I really appreciate Manny that you brought up the word activist and activism and what that means and how it's a little bit more, the connotation is more acceptable today versus in the 90s or that generation. And so, you know, I've had my grandmother tell me, you know, I better not catch you protesting outside Naval Station and, uh, you know, you better watch out, you better watch out for those radicals, you know, so-and-so did this and so-and-so did that, you better watch out for that, and I'm, like, sitting over here and I'm like, well, Grandma, I'm just trying to learn tomorrow and I'm just trying to, you know, learn about, learn about the island, but that's such a real fear for me, just to be, you know, genuine in this space is, I do have that fear of, of talking about these issues around that age group and around my family. I think it's especially difficult with family because, you know, you don't want to offend. And, you know, the old, the Biha, old Chamorro ladies, you're going to tell, cannot tell her, you know, cannot tell her off or, <laughs> or try to present a debate. It's just, don't worry, Grandma, I'm, I'm not going to protest outside of Naval Station. 
I mean, I would, but. <laughs> Anderson. <laughs> and so I really appreciate that how that was brought up, that issue of family and wanting to be more active in the community and how can we bridge that. And I really like the ideas that were mentioned of, you know, talking about it in ways that, that they can understand. And what was your name again? Rick. Rick? Ray. Oh, okay, so Ray, I really liked how you were saying, you know, you need to talk to them in a way they can understand. And, you know, maybe a way to approach it would be like, okay, you know, Grandma, if, if you wanted to talk about, you know, indigenous rights or our relationship, you know, how would you talk about it? You know, like, I like this, this conversation we're having of how can we engage our family members who disagree with us and just really have them... You know, like, oh, if, if 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 Guam were to be independent, you know, what would you want that to look like? Because it steers away from, I don't, I don't want independence. It's like, but if it was, you know, what would you, what would you want to want to see? So I, I really appreciate that discussion right now. You know, I've been watching a lot of like uh, Trevor Noah lately, and he read, he mentioned like an excerpt of his book, and it was about like uh, his mom's super religious. And then, like, they'd be on their way to church, and then their car dies out. And then he'd be like, I guess that's a sign from God that we shouldn't go to church and we should just <laughs> rest and take the day. You know, this is our rest day. And then his mom would say, like, no, this is a challenge from God, and we need to find a way to, you know, like, go get our way to church. And, you know, like, um, tomorrow's today are, like, tomorrow and religion, whether it be, like, Catholicism or Christianity or whatever, it's, like, entwined, intertwined with tomorrow culture and custom i think and so apply that same faith you have in god and jesus into our people our island and what we can do with it and just that blind faith and that and goodness you know like in i don't know it's just it's the same you know like uh it really is the same and if they don't understand it in like a literal legal sense then they could understand it maybe in like a religious uh kind of perspective of it and it really is the same force and i think that's um correcting wrongs and yeah, and things like that, but um, I always say it with things like that. <laughs> That's my uh, way to end things. But um, uh, Yeah, and you know, and it's not even so much about getting people to agree with you or like um, kind of forcing people to agree with you, but it's just so that they have the knowledge to make a proper informed decision on their own. So like the same with me, I'm like, you can go check out if, if, if the Free Association and State Task Forces are doing things, then by all means check it out. You know, I want you to come to an informed decision on your own knowing everything but and then I think or like an experience I've learned that um, with not trying to force independence on them and just kind of talking about it most people are leaning towards that it's just fear but um, and rightfully so you know it's a big scary thing we've the longest colonies like ever <laughs> like in the history of the world so it's definitely um, I could understand those sentiments but um, it's not a scary thing you know and it's it's beautiful. And then somebody asked me, like, well, what does independence look like? And I was like, what doesn't it look like? You know, like, yeah. it looks like whatever we want it to look like, you know? So the more you put out your concerns, the more you attend these things and get educated, maybe we'll work with something that has uh, your best interest at hand, you know? But we won't know until you go to these things and kind of put out your concerns and questions and whatever. But, um, yeah, it's definitely difficult talking with the, the family and and my mom, like, uh, I talk with her about it regularly in my family, and she doesn't quite understand it, but what I think I'm so thank you, thankful and it's beautiful is that 
she trusts me. So she doesn't truly understand independence, but she understands me. And she trusts me, so she's for independence. But I was like, I would like you to, like, come to that decision on your own. But, but yeah, there's definitely a lot of sources, and we need to start engaging a lot more. You know, it's not a scary thing. It's definitely not the activism and activists of decades past. You know, it's a new breed. <laughs> and um, to highlight something that Melvin Wampat Borja said on um, previous episodes is that uh, it's time for all of us to be activists. Yeah, we're all activists. We all have a stake in this. But um, what I thought was really cool, Ray, is uh, while you were speaking, um, the Beatles song uh, was playing, um, Try to See Things My Way. <laughs> we, we can work it out. We can work it out. So let's come together as a community. Let's, uh, let's answer the questions that we all have. Let's, uh, let's tackle this issue. We all acknowledge that we're a colony. We all acknowledge that there's, uh, there's wrongs being done. Um, especially with the, the Agent Orange uh, story uh, out in the press right now, uh, inter- or nationally. So let's acknowledge this, and let's, call, let's come together as a community. Let's have a constructive conversations here at the coffee shop or uh, out there in the homes with the Fanny Nodzen program or, or anything. So this feels like a good place to wrap up. Unless uh, Does anyone have anything else they'd like to add? Or? I, think, I think you're right. What, what you were saying about how your mom... She might not be, like, 100% with, like, this independence movement, but she knows you, yeah. and you're her son. Yeah. And I think that's been something that I'm, I'm finding. I'm going to turn into one of the criers now. <laughs> Join the cruises. Yeah, oh, man, I don't know what it is, but it's that thing. It's that thing that, that really, I, I think, even in those conversations with my family, who don't agree, who are, you know, stark patriots, there is something that touches a nerve, and it is something that is thousands of years old. And it's something that I know exists in every Pacific Islander and every person who has set foot on this land. And it's something that's tied to this land. And I know that, you know, I don't have all the answers, and we don't, you know, we're, we're here But the fact that we're here and that each one of us here represents a family, represents someone in the larger community, like what you were talking about, the micro and the mezzo and the the macro and the micro. (laughs) All I heard was Micronesia, yeah. (laughs) All of Micronesia to the world. But, you know, just translating that into it does start with one person having coffee with another person who will have coffee with another person who will talk to their grandma or their auntie in church. And it's it's those relationships that we as islanders, as settlers, continue to preserve and continue to nurture. That that's what's that is decolonization at 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 its root for me. I, I know that 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 you know that that really is what, what it's gonna be, you know, it's gonna be these conversations that we're having. And so yeah, sorry to get a little emotion, <laughs> no, no, no. but that's, that's all I have to say. <laughs> I, I appreciate that, and um, one of the things I like to add uh, is that the reason why it's so easy for us, uh, myself, Maria, you, Shannon, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of us, to become so impassioned about this is because we, we've all been touched by colonization um, on, on a very deep level. Um, it's something that's rooted in, in the generations now through, or since 1898, or even before that uh, with the Spanish era. So this is something that uh, uh, our, our families have suffered through, and this is something that we inherit. So I think that's why it's very, it's very easy for us to become emotional about this. So I, I appreciate your, your rawness. Yeah, and um, 
Yeah, thank you. God, I'm about to cry now, too. <laughs> so, he warned me, John, yeah. before we came here. He's like, are you going to start founding the table uh, crying? <laughs> I'm like, no. I didn't pound the table. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> so um, we're, we're going to cut it. We're going we're gonna to cut it now at uh, um, one hour and 30 minutes. God, thank you. Thank you guys for coming. Um, yeah, we're going to cut it short because uh, we're all going to have a, a crying session now. And, uh, we're all going to comfort each other and get in a, in a nice big group hug. And um, so, yeah, so guys, any any events coming up in, in the near future? This should be out next week. So anything going on? Miguel, any any events with the task force? General meeting. All right. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, yeah. So January 26th is our next General Assembly meeting, 6 p.m. at Chamorro Village Main Pavilion. We'll see you guys then. Thank you. You've been listening to Fenetsu. Fenetsu is created by the Media Committee of Independent Guahan. Independent Guahan's mission is to empower the Chamorro people to reclaim their sovereignty as a nation. Inspired by the strength of their ancestors and with the love for future generations, they seek to educate and unify all who call Guam home in order to build a sustainable and prosperous independent future. Feedback and questions can be sent to independentguahan at gmail.com, all one word. For more information, head to www.independentguahan.com or look for us on Facebook and Instagram. Ihinengainga Independent Guahan, Araba Yenafanataka Yamantamoru, Pautatuli Tati Diretota Komo Unashon, Gihilutano, Giniminet Gutniha Yimanyanata, Dani Guinezata Nui Famagon Tamotna, Inakekefan Manumo, Danakekefanetun Todu Itato Siha, Nimanyasagi Ininatano, Pautanat Letfetna Ida Guahan, Ni Todu Ininasenata, Kosiki Senior Tafan Latla Maulet Motna, Fanatsu, Hita Latmon.